0: So hello, welcome to episode twenty-two of Rule the Roost podcast. We are gathered here today for a very special episode to commemorate the uh, the career thus far, well Tottenham career of a great man, Mister Andre Villas-Boas. Um, Raju Baines, my my compadre, how are you feeling, mate?
1: Um, I'm quite down at the moment. Um, it's it's not been a fun day at all. Certainly not. Self? Well, yeah, pretty pretty
0: desolate. Um, we're joined here, I should say, by uh, Mr. Dan Fitch, who is a writer for ESPN and The Bleacher Report. So thank you very much for joining us, Dan. Jack, nice to be here. Cheers, mate. And we're also joined by Mr. Real Deal Danny McAvoy. Um, hello, Danny. Thank you for thank you for giving us your precious time this evening, sir. Of course, mate. Always for you, Jack. <laughs> well, I know. I know how much you, you love me or, or my, uh, my better half, I should say, at least. Who wouldn't uh, mate? Who wouldn't I? <laughs> um, so where where to start? Um, was it a was it a good decision off the back of a five nil trouncing from Liverpool at home? Dan Fitch, good result. Good, well, not a good result. Fucking <laughs> awful <laughs> result. But um, was it the right time to let Mister Villas go?
2: You know, I had been thinking he could maybe uh, turn things around until till yesterday, but uh, I mean, that defeat was so abject. Made so many, so many decisions, which uh, where he's just you know he keeps repeating the same mistakes, and it seems like he's got this stubborn streak where he he just keeps trying things which patently don't work, like Norton at left back, as if they'll suddenly you know everything will come good, um, and a lot of the players didn't seem to be trying. Um, the writing was on the wall after the Man City game, really. Even when the results picked up after that. There was still a lot of pressure on him, It seemed There were still lots of stories coming in at, c- coming out from the club. So I, I sort of came to the conclusion last week that he, he was finished and the club wanted to sack him. And it was just a case of when they got the right excuse, they would do. And let's face it, he gave them the right excuse, really, if you lose five minutes at home.
0: I mean, there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors, hasn't there? There's been a lot of talk off-pitch about what's actually going on behind the scenes. <clears throat> Who has Levy's ear, is it? You know, is it Baldini who's actually fighting AVB's cause? Had AVB and Levy had this bust up that apparently happened, or whatnot? But I mean, to to, to put it on face value, it it has come off the. But like you say, you know, we had the six nil against Manchester City, which you can almost forgive. But I think what probably highlighted it more for me was the three nil at home to West Ham. I think that's probably what set the alarm bells ringing. Um, and more just the manner in which we lost that game. And then to see that pretty much replicated against Liverpool was was pretty shocking. Um, I mean, Raj, I know you're a big fan of AVB, um, as am I, and I, I definitely think you should have been given the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, when you're to consider the naysayer's opinion... You look at the sort of results we were getting when it wasn't going well. So, you know, we were we were playing fixture to fixture in a very solid fashion, but it seemed as though when things didn't go right, they went spectacularly bad. You know, and losing 3-0 at home to West Ham, as I say, was appalling. Losing 6-0 away to Man City, he kind of gets a pass for. But again, the scoreline and the nature of the defeat yesterday it was quite worrying um i mean what would you say to that bainesy because i know you're a big defender of of avb um, how 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 can you, you, it's hard to justify results like that and say he's still the right man for the job
1: i think it was more the manner of defeats than the defeats themselves that were disappointing um had the liverpool and the, the west ham game been as bad a performances but had just been lost maybe one nil, two 0 here and there. And the the city game, as you say, that's that's probably more understandable away the, the Yeti had the way they're scoring goals at the moment, um is probably the most understandable of the lot. <laughs> it seems strange to say. It. But um I don't think he, he's I don't think the job he's actually had on his hands this season has has been made enough of. Um, and the fact that we've we've got rid of a player that he'd spent a season building a team around it was then obviously, I think I think the the feeling at the club was that they were going to try and do what Manchester United did with Cristiano Ronaldo that final season and just keep him for one more year and make sure that the entire team had grown to that extra level while they still had that player there and then they'd be in a position to to let him go and feel the loss less um, less suddenly. But obviously, once it became apparent that the player himself was adamant to leave, and that um, he started doing things, on like not turning up <sighs> training and that, um, we had to make the changes in order to um, to bring the players in to replace him, and um, that takes time. And um, I mean, people have said it all season long that buying that many players at once perhaps isn't the most ideal situation to have, and that um, it's it's not a quick fix. You don't just buy seven players and and. Create a team overnight. You can, if you look at teams like Chelsea and Manchester City that have sent, that have spent that that amount of money for transfer window upon transfer window when they first got that cash injection, it took them a year or two before they were title challengers. I mean, Sheikh Manshaw didn't come into Manchester City and turn them into a, a title team overnight. It took them several transfer windows and, and several managers, even and, and several years to turn them into that team. So there's got to be a certain amount of of patience, and I think uh, some of the responsibility falls on falls on some Tottenham fans that, that don't really deal well with with uh, expectation. To be honest, I
0: tell you what. So, uh, Danny, uh, Mister Real Deal, Danny, this is this is somewhat of your field. Would you? I know it's something you're you're very outspoken about the 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 atmosphere in White Hart Lane this season. A lot of fans will claim that the reason why the atmosphere is diminishing is because of than so-called negative football that AVB is playing, um, and it's their responsibility as you know, playing staff to entertain the fans, and then they cheer as a part of that. Does that wash for you at all?
3: Not in the slightest, Jack. It's, it, it's, it's well before AVB even took over. We've got a uh, we've got quite an old average age for uh, attendance at while. <clears throat> I mean, most of them are. Uh, they're old fellas. A lot of them have got even made their money, or they've uh, got a few quid around them, and they can afford to go to the games. I mean, there's the young blood in the ground isn't there anymore. They can't afford to attend games. They uh, can attend things like the Thursday night games because they're priced at twenty pounds, but they can't afford to travel away to watch a game for sixty quid away at the Etihad. It's just it, you know that's part of the reason for the atmosphere failure, to be honest.
0: And uh, uh, so, I mean. <laughs> For example, when AVB came out and he said... uh, Because one of the things that a lot of people say is oh, he lost lost the fans when he came out and he said essentially that the atmosphere was crap inside of White Hart Lane. Um, He's correct. (laughs) I mean, whether or not he was, my my thoughts on that were that probably if he's to be playing the game, as it were, he shouldn't really be saying that kind of thing in a knee-jerk fashion. So say straight (laughs) after the result. Um, maybe in his manager's program notes the next game or something like that. So you can see maybe why some people of a certain persuasion weren't really in it for him. But at the same time, I mean, it it just seems as though we've been constantly fighting this uphill battle. like uh, Amongst one another, most of all, to be honest. I mean, when we first signed him, it (laughs) seemed as though I had loads of Chelsea mates taking the piss, saying like, you know, you've, you've bought in the flop that we got rid of. (laughs) ha <laughs> ha this kind of thing. But since that point, since that early little thing, it seems as though it's literally just been Spurs fans fighting with Spurs fans after every single result. Um, I mean, do you think any of that does genuinely light the manager's door?
3: <sighs> to be honest, mate, I think you've got a to- I know people sort of like them, but they point fun at this, but I think there 's still a hot large contingent that are unhappy with the sacking of rednap and i don 't think they give this young manager he 's basically like a polar opposite of rednap, and i don 't think it washes well with some of the the rednap fans who, in my opinion, are predominantly the older Spurs fans i't um, i, I, I don 't I don't buy a lot of the other stuff to be honest jack
0: no i, do. I mean um, Fitchy, um do you where do you see the line, as a as a Spurs fan, um, not so much as a say a football writer, but as a Spurs <laughs> fan, between this idea that what Avb has done has not been playing the Tottenham way? I mean, I know a lot of people would argue that when you look at successful teams of the past twenty odd years, they have been methodical, they've been very ruthless, and at times not been the most exciting to watch. Um, And a lot of people are saying that what AVB did wrong, the way he lost the crowd, was to not play the Tottenham way. Um, And I can see that, in a way. But at the same time, these are the same people that... Well, I can't say these are the same people. I can't speak for everyone. But a lot of these people would probably then moan about us not winning anything for a long time. Do you think we can go on and really challenge to the top on us playing this kind of caution to the wind, swashbuckling style?
2: Well, I mean, how many teams do win the league, winning their sort of caution to the wind, sort of buckling style? Uh, you know, we've had recent winners like Chelsea, Man City, a bit more methodical and defensively minded. Um, you know, I suppose Manchester United have done it, but they're kind of almost a unique case. But uh, I actually thought the football was quite good in ABB's first season. I mean, it took a while to evolve for the team to sort of get going because, again, there was a lot of new signings when he first came in. But, uh, yeah, I think we had some great, we played some great stuff towards yeah, the second half of the season. And, uh, uh, obviously, Bale was exciting, which, you know, maybe that that's uh, a bit of a factor. This season, it has been poor. I mean, for me, the, the main issue we've had in, in terms of how its entertainment value has been a central midfield because we're lining up with, with, with players and you're looking at them and you're thinking, well, look at the guys who played against Liverpool. You're thinking, well, who's going to control that midfield? Who's going to be playing the forward passes? They're all sideways passers. There's no there's no guile, there's no skill in that midfield. I couldn't believe he didn't play Holtby from the start uh, because he's been in good form and he's, he's the only person available <laughs> who can really play a telling pass. I mean, let, let's go to one of our to one of our list of question
0: questions. Um, I'll put I'll put it to you first of all, Raj. Um, it's from Mexico Yid at Tottenham Mexico. He says uh, record points last season was that all bail or was it Avb's genius? And he said genius in uh, apostrophe fashion. So I guess he's um, a cynic.
1: Um. I'd say it was six of one half done, half a dozen of the other, rather, um, because I don't think Gareth Bale would have evolved and played the role in the manner of which he did if it wasn't for the manager sculpting that position out for him. It was obviously needs must with the fact that we had um, a few strikers that weren't performing whatsoever, and what he actually managed to achieve by working closely with Bale is sculpting out that role in the centre, Um gave us so many wins you could you could see that it was obviously something going on in the partnership between the two of them with that the celebrations that went on with them for West Ham away for example there was obviously some sort of repertoire between the two of them that they were that they were obviously working off and and grafting off so um I do think it's it's not Gareth Bale who took us by the scruff of the neck and did it all himself I think he was he was well managed into that position, and I think that's that's perhaps is slightly the reason why um, Avb was so um, so disappointed with him leaving is because he had spent so much time specifically turning him into the focus of his side.
0: Do you think Danny? He was. Do you think Avb was personally hurt by Bale's antics, the way in which he left the club?
3: Oh, most definitely. I think uh, you could. Yeah, I think he thinks he conducted himself badly. I mean, that's a rumor I've heard. That he he was quite upset with Bale in the way that he conducted himself towards the end of the transfer window. I mean, I, I was I, I was uh, sort of uh, maybe deluded. You know, what I mean, I was, sort of wouldn't accept the fact. I honestly thought he was going to stay. I thought he was worth more to Tottenham in a commercial sense moving forward with sort of for trying to attract sponsors for the stadium, et cetera, Than he would be to sell. Um, I was wrong um and uh, you know i admit that but i, I think avb was as gutted as i was or as raj was um i think he felt let down by some you know i can't i don't blame bale or, you know but i i think he does feel left let down by the situation so
0: do you think i mean fitchy do you think that the uh, the club could have been stronger in the in the position with bale like like as raj said earlier with ronaldo they could have said to him you know this is it you have to stay You've got a contract here till 2016, I think it was at the time. Um, you just, you're not going. Because it, it, I, can't, I, can't imagine, I, mean, I can't imagine that uh, AVB would have sanctioned Bale leaving at any point, even if he was told he was getting all the money.
2: With, with hindsight, I think we all look back on it now and think they should have definitely uh, not have sold him. Especially having been ripped apart by a player, Luis Suarez, who Liverpool could have sold in the summer. And you know, that they weren't gonna sell unless they got the right money for him. I suppose that's kind of the thing. We got so much money for him that perhaps it then created a dilemma. We probably wouldn't have sold him for like fifty or sixty million, but when he gets got to the figure it did, then it starts raising question marks because he could he could have played the first game of the season and broke his leg, who knows? Um and also, you know, he so obviously wanted to go as well and started playing up a bit. I mean, I don't think he would have ever quite gone down the Luka Modric route, but, uh, of you know, publicly stating he wanted to transfer and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, behind the scenes, he obviously wanted to go. So, I think they kind of had to let him go, to be honest, with all, with all the factors. Fair
0: play. Um, Raj, we got one here from Charlie Brathman, um, who is at C Brathman. Um, he says, what incentive is there for a manager to plan for a, a club's long-term when they're judged
1: on such a short-term basis? <laughs> um, I don't think the Tottenham job's one that, um, one that's too attractive at this moment in time. Obviously, the squad that's there is, is something that most people want to be working with. Um, the wage at the end of the day is, is probably what will get somebody through the door. Um it it does worry me the fact that we've had so many managers in, in such a short amount of space of time. Yeah. I don't want to um I don't want to like dwell too much on, on those um those people down the road. But the fact that they've had one manager for such a long time and they've got that sort of contingency and they've got that familiarity within their setup is obviously even though they've had follow years for some time now because there's that understanding there and it's it's present within the club, they're obviously reaping the rewards from it currently. And obviously we're not, because if you're having to change managers every so often, it's, it's a process that, just like bringing in new players does, it takes time because every manager has his own ideas. Um, the thing that worries me the most about the timing of it, given that it's the most... Congested time of the season in terms of league, um, league games, and then I've got to go away to the Emirates. And the start of the next year is it, it makes <laughs> little sense to me um, because obviously the large infrastructure of the the backroom staff was was Portuguese people he'd brought in. They've they've all gone today as well. Um, you know, Rocha, Martins, and and the other lad um, the the scout they've all gone. So it's not only a coaching team that you've got to bring in, but you've got to have the manager implement his ideas with a squad that is not entirely settled as yet. So it's almost, I'm almost at a point where I'm, I'm half tempted to just write off this season now. As any any sort of attempt to be made at, at, at improving um, seems seems nonsensical given the circumstances. There's no sort of, there's not no reins to pick up and, and run away with as such. that it, it's just. Um, it seems a very odd decision to have made, especially with the, the fucking three musketeers that we've brought in for the, for the current period. It's, it doesn't fill me with much confidence.
0: Well, we'll, get, we'll go on to them uh, a bit later. Um, Fitchy, we've, we've had one here from Robert Glentworth, which is <laughs> along a similar, uh, a similar trend, which is, um, is Daniel Levy too easily swayed by outside influences such as the media?
2: Um, I, I wouldn't think he would be affected by that, by what the media say or, or it doesn't even strike me as the sort of person who would be bothered what the fans say. He, but let's face it, he is trigger happy now. I mean how many managers he's got through. Um and he's created a situation whereby if the results go wrong at any at any point, the, the media immediately starts talking about is the manager in trouble? Because they know if if the results go go bad. History tells you that Levy will sack his manager. I mean, Martin Yole was a relative success. He got sacked. Harry Redknapp was a relative success. You know, they've they they all, they've all... And ABB, they've all done... You know, you can argue the merits of what they've done, but they've all, you know, achieved a certain amount of success in their job and they've all been sacked more or less the first time things have gone bad.
0: It's true. I mean, Danny, what? how much would you say... Levy and Baldini have to hold their hands up in what is going on at Tottenham at the moment because it seems as though it's the very popular thing amongst the media to pour all of the scorn and all of the blame on the manager like he's the root cause of everything and although the manager is obviously heavily involved with what goes on on the pitch there's a very rich kind of tapestry behind every single football club Um, do you think they've escaped from the brunt of it?
3: Players always escape. So do the backroom staff, the the people in the director's box. There's a there's a multitude of people at a football club pulling in one direction if they can smell blood with a manager. You get footballers like Benny and Adi Bayor coming out with an absolutely fucking disgraceful picture at full time. Um I've I've heard now that Adi Bayor is claiming that he um the the picture was actually taken before the end of the um before the end of the game or at the start of the game. Uh, that's irrelevant. The, the picture got tweeted at full time with a caption, like, wow, what a match. I mean, I don't care if these guys are foreign or if they're from Mars. They knew exactly what they were fucking doing. And they just, he incited the, he's incited the fans and he'd have to be daft to think that he didn't. And that's just, that's Adi Bayor and Essa I mean, and then you've got people like Lord Sugar, Who's in? You know, may not be a board member or on, or actually on the payroll, but he's in and around that boardroom. Got people like him tugging in one direction. You've got people like Sherwood on the training ground causing problems for AVB. The press uh, causing problems for AVB. The guy didn't have a chance.
0: He and it it just seems that way. It seemed that from all quarters he was he was fighting it. Um, I think what surprises me most you've you've touched on that, and I've been very uh, (laughs) very vociferous in my criticisms of. Ben so Cotto and Adebayor today, um, I've actually adopted that, uh, the 14-year-old route of adding them at Twitter, but I couldn't help it because that picture, it did incense me. As someone that has supported BAE and Adebayor both, as you say, I'm, I'm agreed and they knew exactly what they were doing and they put a personal vendetta between themselves and the manager over the fact that they still have a lot of fans of a club and they were essentially laughing at our defeat, at our demise and... That for me is it's it's on par with what Hossam Ghali did when he threw the Tottenham shirt down like it was a rag. Um I, I, I personally I never want to see either of them play for Spurs again. Um, I will say that, but you know, there we go. I mean, people can argue that he's our best left back, but it doesn't say an awful lot at the moment. Um, but when we when we look at say other players, I mean, people like Jan Vertongan, for example. <coughs> Jan Tongan is is a class act. He's an absolutely brilliant player on the pitch, but his his attitude this season has been nothing short of disgraceful. Like it really has been appalling, and he yeah he's had to play out of position, and I I I, I can understand why that might be frustrating, but we've all seen the way he's acted on the pitch. Um, yeah, he seems to be another player that seems to be escaping. All of this seems to get attributed to the manager. Um, and I guess that's just the the way it's going to be for for however long. But you know, for for me, that's the kind of thing that's going to make other managers from the outside start to look in and think, well, do I want to go there? Because you know, we've we've seen the way Daniel Levy operates. I've you know, <coughs> surely a new manager is going to be thinking, well, if I go in, I'm going to see someone like Eric Lamella as a big talent. But hang on, if I build my team around Eric Lamella and he starts to perform, Daniel Levy's going to flog him. Um, and then, if Daniel Levy flogs this person I've built my team around and the team starts to fall to pieces, then I'm going to get sacked. And we've seen this happen so many times when we've sold Carrick. You know, the team that Joel built up, they sold Carrick, it pulled the rug out from underneath us, the team capitulated, and Joel got the sack. It's happened again with Bale. Um, arguably, you know, Red doesn't have such an excuse, but there's a lot of off pitch things that have happened there. And I think really in terms of us wanting to bring in a serious manager, you know, we've got people saying Klopp, um, but I think, do you know what I mean? I think someone's going to, someone like Klopp is going to look at us and, and like, as you've reacted there, Danny, just laugh. They're going to think I'm not going there. And it's the fact we've, we've got a, a lot of other fans and I'm sorry for anyone that is listening that genuinely wants Glenn Hoddle to take over as our manager, but... Baffling. Yeah. Oh, I just, you know, I I know the man's a Tottenham legend. He's he 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 in the playing sense. He was an absolutely fantastic player. But he, as I think someone said, he hasn't even managed a pub team for the past six years. You know, I I I had um a chap, Tim, who's a you know he's he's a he's a pal of mine. But he was you know his justification for maybe bringing Hoddle back was the fact he took Swindon from from Division Two to the Premiership. But it's a completely different era. You know, um... His
3: Swindon record isn't that good, Jack. Sorry to Britain. If you actually look at it, it's not that great. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't great. Uh, he he he. Uh, stuff at England was virgin on bonkers. All right, some of the results were there, but the stuff with Arlene Jury and the players and the the, the, the actually the ultimate reason he got sacked was uh, alluded to the fact he's a fruitcake. And I think you said yourself earlier, um, <laughs> well, in basically in Ledley King's autobiography, he even sort of uh, made the point you know, in a polite way, that Hoddle was a bit
0: mad. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people criticised Ledley King's autobiography for being boring because he didn't really (laughs) say anything controversial. But even this kind of, you know, the mild-mannered, lovely man that Ledley King is alluded to the fact as you say that it wasn't right under Glenn Hoddle that it was a very uncomfortable time to be in that when people would go to him with problems about their personal life and things that were affecting their performances he would send them on to Eileen Drury or he would make them do exercises with crystals and things like this it's just it just beggars belief Um, I mean who, who Fitchy who would you say is your ideal candidate going forward to take over from AVB if there is an ideal well, candidate.
2: This is, the, this is a big problem and a, a big reason why you don't necessarily suck a manager. Is, um, there's no real candidates that leap out at me that I think, yeah, that's a man I, I want. There generally is, but there's so many managers who have just moved to a new club. So, you know, that rules out a load. There's, there's people like Klinsmann and Capello. I wouldn't want Capello anyway, because it would be terrible football. But uh, you know they're tied up to the World Cup. I mean, if you're looking at Premier League managers, you've, you've got it's loud up of Pochettino, really, isn't it? And either them, they represent a gamble. <laughs> so there, there's no one really who I I, I particularly want. Or uh, I'm glad Rafa Benitez has got a job, so he's not. <laughs> we <Well, laughs> well, well, all. Alan Kirbishley's still
0: unemployed though, which is ominous. Yeah, long may he remain unemployed. <laughs> um, and Zola's just quit. <laughs> and uh well, and Valencia have just sat there, manager, so that could be a, a destination for a v b perhaps but um I mean baines a lot of people have been calling for Loudrup. he seems to be the the fashionable name at the moment um but as as Wendy um pointed out earlier, the football that <laughs> Loudrup employs is essentially the same as what a v b is doing with us at the moment and Swansea fans aren't enamoured with Laudrup. They haven't liked the way he's taken the team from what Rodgers was doing—this expansive attacking football—to a more cultured, defensive, solid brand of yeah you know, brand of play. Do, do, can you see Laudrup coming in and really doing anything that Avb couldn't have already been doing for us?
1: Um, no. Um, in a word. Um, i think you 've summed it up quite perfectly there 's not much between them and uh, if you have a look at the managerial records, so the one who 's actually been slightly more impressive in the job he 's had has, has been the one that we 've just sacked so there's um there 's no reason to to be going for what 's essentially a, a similar sort of manager i think it 's almost a, a slight identity identity crisis as to what we want to be now um because do you do you hire a manager who you invest in a philosophy rather than success, so you try and build around a manager who who wants to play attractive football, and then and then build on from there. Or do you? Or do you go for a manager who has a good track record, and then try and um, trying to mould them into the club in, in that sort of manner? Um, because it's two very different things to be doing, and it's a decision that's going to have to be made. And neither of those decisions is Glenn Hoddle, and neither of those decisions is Tim Sherwood. I mean, they're equally as bad as each other. Um, They're they're not... No question should be asked that they are the answer to, other than who shouldn't be Tottenham manager. Um, (laughs) I mean, Glenn Hoddle and the Ten faith healer sounds more like a reggae calypso band than it does (laughs) a fucking management team. (laughs) So um, uh, the fact that he's uh, even anywhere near... The job is is worrying. Um I mean we may as well give it to David Pleat for the tenth time if that's what's going to happen.
0: I mean a lot of people have spoken about how Sherwood has he's managed a very successful under 21 side. Um But a lot of that's been down to Inglethorpe, has it not?
1: Um I think from what I've seen and what I've read of the 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 youth teams um, from from what obviously Windy says and and what Ray posts on the site for us is that there seems to be a, a very strict infrastructure involved with the way in which youth football is handled at Tottenham. There's a there's a way in which players are, are brought up through this sides. There's a way in which they're overlooked, and it comes down more to people like McDermott, I believe, who it is and uh, who looks after, um, who oversees the, the majority of it. Um, and what he does is he'll obviously manage. as a a section of the squad almost like a department head and then the managers will obviously have their own squad to look after. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. Um, I think where Sherwood comes in is obviously he's, he's somehow um, sold himself to be some sort of up-and-coming manager to, to Levy. Um, from what I've actually seen of the team and the way in which they play and what I've, I've spoken to people who've seen this sides play and seen the way in which he manages and conducts himself... Um, not as a person here, because that's a different matter entirely. But as a as a professional manager, he's he's much more in the mould of a um, traditional Harry Redknapp rather than a, a pragmatic Villas Boas. So that's a given that for the short term, that's going to be what's handling our our first team. It's going to be a slight culture shock for them, because I mean, I I have real uh, worries that um, in a few days' time when we play. West Ham. We're going to line up in a, a flat four four two with Jermaine Defoe and Soldado up front. It's going to be he's going to be back to basics and then some. I mean, Fitchy, do you do you see this argument that a man who's never managed
0: uh, a, a top level professional football team is now essentially going to be taking the reins <coughs> of a squad that includes the likes of Jan Vertonghen, Hugo Lloris. Eric Lamella, Eric Soldado—people who probably have never heard of Tim Sherwood.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm slightly concerned that Tim Sherwood of all people is the person to turn around our sideways football because he was the king of the sideways pass. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he would represent a huge gamble. And when you talk about when Danny was talking about the like the 50-year-old blokes. Who uh, who moaned all during the game? There's a lot of people there with long memories at White Hart Lane who don't really like Tim Sherwood from his days as a player. And I th- I think if 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 they appointed him and things started going bad, they would turn on him in an instant. And Levy, so Levy has to get this. This is a big decision for Levy now, who who he goes for. Um, but there always has been this talk that he that Levy really rates him, and um he could have gone to Blackburn, couldn't he? not so long ago and he he stayed at the club. You wonder, there was some talk that he'd been given like assurances as to, you know, he might get the gig in the future. So uh, I can't say I'd be majorly infused if he gets it. No. I
0: I mean, there's a lot of speculation that's going around about Tim Sherwood's personality and what he's like as a person. You know, some saying he's arrogant, people saying he's an Arsenal fan. But one thing we can say is as a, as a, fact, at least as far as we can take that, is that he has been named as essentially a mole that has been leaking stuff to the press in the past before, that has had a disruptive and divisive influence upon the club. Um, Now, how Daniel Levy can want to stand by somebody like that and put them in charge of the team, should he become an interim manager until the end of the season, in place of Andreas Boas, then... I I I I think it does raise serious question marks over Daniel Levy's judgement. Um how, uh, if the events of the past few days haven't done already. Um we haven't really spoken much about Franco Baldini. Um do you think this is going to be the end for him um during his time at Spurs Danny
3: Definitely not, mate. No, I think Franco's pretty safe in his position at the moment. I mean, I understand that a lot of the signings wasn't wasn't necessarily down to him, you know. I, 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 the way I understand it is there's a committee uh, of people that involves Sherwood, Levy, uh, Baldini, AVB and uh, the youth team coach, Chris, I forget the guy's name. But anyway, the, 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 they basically bring a player forward, uh, lot like put them forward and they'll discuss it and then obviously but the, the, I'd imagine Levy has the final say on what the committee sort of uh, comes to, what conclusions they come to. Um, so I don't think Baldini can be to blame for any of the signings that have came in, same as Levy probably can't or AVB can't. Because the trouble is, when you've got a committee, ideas... Get squashed, don't they? I mean, someone sort of uh, tweeted earlier that basically it's like a black hole for ideas. Any committees, just any sort of like dreams get killed off in the committee. Um, and I, you know, basically Levy will know that it's not Baldini's fault. Whether he ship him out along with AVB, I don't know. You know, there's rumours that AVB wanted Baldini. I can see, personally, I can see Baldini being safe. Um, what, about,
0: what about you, Raj? I mean, do you. I see what Danny's saying there about this committee, about this shared responsibility. It seems, again, that a lot of the decisions that have resulted in players leaving, so say, you know, um, Stephen Colker being a a prime example of this. Again, the blame has been attributed to Anjovias Boas, but surely you have to ask yourself if if there's other people in charge of things at the club. It's not just going to be a case of AVB saying, sell Colker and he goes, is it?
1: No, I think there's that old saying, isn't there? A camel is a horse designed by committee, which um, just about sums it up, really. Um, I don't think the way in which we're operating currently would would place the blame on Baldini um, per se, because I think his job is once the players are, are um, identified, he's then almost the, the fixer. If you've ever seen Ray Donovan on TV, he's almost like our version of that. He'll go around and he'll... He'll, he'll find the players. He'll speak to the clubs because the amount of pictures you've seen of him with with other teams' chairmen in the summer, just like jetting around Europe, picking up these players, making these deals happen. That's what he's there to do. And his track record of of picking up players is is spot on at the moment. And um, the success of them implementing is down to obviously the time it takes them to come into the squad and the amount of players that we've bought. So um, I I, don't, I can't see him him affecting it in that manner. Um obviously his um his close relationship with uh, Fabio Capello is something that um could sway us somewhat, um I'd imagine. Um because if he if he has his say on on this uh this committee as to who the next manager should be and that's his um his choice is to bring his pal in then um that's a that's something to be um something to be discussed. But um no I'm I don't think he'll go. Um, I don't think he's done anything particularly deserving of going, but um, I think it's it's not been very clear to us what his exact role is.
0: Um, Fitch, we've had a good one here from Ronnie Francis, which is at Ronnie Ronnie underscore four underscore. Um, And he says, with a win percentage of 54, what does the next manager have to do to avoid a similar fate?
2: Well, exactly. I mean, uh, and we've talked about how is this job going to be perceived by Sanders. Uh, I mean, we have got a record points total last season. And in terms of like our points uh, this season, it, it's up there with what we've got in you know previous years. So, yeah, what, what more has he got to do, I suppose, in terms of results? Not a lot more he can do, but I think it was more the style of the style of play and the nature of defeats when we, we weren't lo- let's face it, we weren't narrowly losing many games of late where we? we were getting absolutely tombed. So, um, yeah, we, it's good. It's going to be more the style of football, I, I think, rather than results. The next manager is going to be judged. I mean, um, Danny, what, what do you, you, what would you look for for the, uh, in the next that, manager?
3: That, that whole style thing, Jack, it makes me chuckle a little bit. It's, uh, this Spurs way thing is uh, to play the Spurs way. I, I find it a bit of a myth, mate, to be honest. I mean, well, what Spurs way are they talking about? Are you talking about under villas Boas, obviously not. You're talking about the first half of each year under Redknapp because let's be, let's face it, the second half of the season was dire. It was uh, like relegation form. Um, before that, you had Martin Yol. I don't think we were really known to play the Spurs way under Yol. Our uh, dealers might have played the Spurs way, but again, got the chop uh, part way into the season. If if that's what the Spurs way is, you know I think it's a bit mythical. Do you know what I mean? This Spurs way, I think it's a bit of a myth. I think we've spent fifty years uh, being basically a mediocre club, basically that's just wins the odd cup, and uh, they're few and far between. I don't think we've had any great sides. Arguably eighty one might have been a might have been up there. I think I find the whole Spurs way thing a myth. And let's face it, the Spurs way's failed.
0: It had, I mean, even when you you, you highlight that with uh, with Redknapp, Um you you look at a squad that had Ledley King, Rafa van der Vaart, Luka Modric, Gareth Bale in it, a team that genuinely building up to that Manchester City game where we essentially got cheated by Mario Balotelli, um, that was a team that was genuinely with a within a threat of pushing for the title. It was a very very good squad, yet. You know, thirteen points clear of Arsenal, as we've said before, and then look what happens. And as you rightly say, <laughs> Harry Redknapp may have had this exciting brand of football, but look where it got us—absolutely nowhere. It got us into, a, all right, it got us into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You can't take that away from Redknapp. But again, look at the players he had. Look at look at the the sheer amount of world class footballers we had at the arguably at the height or close to the height of their powers underneath him. Um, but whenever the chips were down, as it were, when it did come to a position where he needed to make informed decisions about things we could do in order to prevent, you know, sustained failure, he, he had no answers. He had no answers. And that's why we completely capitulated in that season. When we gave up the, the the gap to Arsenal, as they like to remind us, um, and you do just struggle to see short of I think for me the biggest problem is you you have a, a chairman like Daniel Levy that wants the moon on a stick. He wants Tottenham to be this side that challenges for the title, that is in the Champions League year in, year out, but neglects the fact that around us are teams that are paying players two hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand pounds a week. They're buying players left, right and centre in the tens of millions of pounds. And he just isn't doing that. We did that to a certain degree this summer. Would we have spent the money we spent this summer if we hadn't sold Gareth Bale? I don't think we would have done. We would have maybe spent a certain amount. But the fact we've again made a profit after spending a hundred odd million this summer just says to me that... Daniel Levy is someone that just has unrealistic... As much as the fans do, I think, as a chairman, he has unrealistic expectations of what can actually be achieved in comparison to the to the teams around him. I mean, the fact we've got Emmanuel Adebayor in our books and Manchester City pay more of his wages than we do is an absolute joke. It's laughable. Um, and again, this is a manager, though, that is sacking managers because they're not finishing in the top four or pushing for the title. I don't know. It's just something that, as we're saying here, you struggle to see what the next manager is going to be able to do and what freedom they're going to be afforded to do anything at all. Um, sorry, that's a bit of a rant there, wouldn't it? Um, we've we've had one here from Xanthos at Xanthos underscore E. Um, we've kind of gone over this one, but I'll I'll put this one to you um, uh, to you, Fiji. Um We've had. Uh, Were the home performances down to bad atmosphere and fan pressure or to AVB's tactics and selection?
2: It's it's nothing to do with the fans. You can't blame the fans by how the players play on the pitch. I can't... This this idea that they should... They're going to run around a lot more, you know, if people are singing the whole time. You've got to blame the players uh, and the tactics. So, um, I mean, our... It was quite clear last season that our, uh, our thought we look much better away from home. We're more of an away team than we were a home team. This season, that's become even more stark. Um, we just don't have the sort of skillful players who are going to break down teams who sit back and, and defend deep.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, Rog, do, do you see that? Because we're the statistically we're the best team away from home and we're the worst team at home this season i mean rather embarrassingly liverpool have scored more goals from open play this season at white Hart lane than tottenham have um do, do you see that the 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 atmosphere within the ground could be a, 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 at all attributable to this
1: yeah well i well i appreciate what um what fit was saying um I think there is a, a correlation between how fans react and the um, the tempo in which the football is played. Obviously, the tactics have have a lot of bearing on that, and the and the, and the mood of the players and the, the intentions they have when they they take to the field. But um, even if you scale down that theory to its very its most basic level, so say you were sat on your own in you in like your bedroom alone in your boxers playing FIFA. You take it at half pace, you just you do what you want to do. But if you've got all your mates around, there's 10 of you in a front room somewhere, you try and play a bit more, you get a bit more excited, you get a bit more adrenaline in you. If you've got 30,000 people moaning at you, calling you a wanker every time you misplace a pass and things, it's going to dampen your spirits no matter how big your ego is. If you've got people singing your name and that, if you just look at someone like Lewis Holtby, who has a grin on his face every time a song starts for him. It obviously gives him that, that little injection of, of extra pride and extra wanting to do well for the people who are singing for him, I think there's a tangible relationship between fans and players. That, while it might be purely, um, it's, it's it's unquantifiable. That it's something that's that's purely theoretical. That it, it's obviously it's it's something you can see. It's something that you can visibly notice, while you can't obviously measure it. Um, and. Well, I appreciate the fact that the team has to be set up in a manner which is to con- is conducive to be playing well you You can't at the same time be playing in front of people who have such a negative attitude towards what you're trying to achieve it's um it's It's battling against people who you're almost expecting to be on your side but aren't so um i think it's it's a mix of the both really i think the the fans have to be better and um the players have to. Have to appreciate that that they've got a part to play in making the fans a bit better as well. I mean, if there's there's a couple of incidents that I could
0: highlight. Um, so not from a from a Spurs perspective so much, but when you look at us playing against Stoke City last season, you could argue quite heavily that the the Spurs fans had a large part to play in Charlie Adams' sending off. Um, they they really seemed to get to him in that game, and also. Um, Similarly, last year there was a, there was an incident with Kyle Walker in which uh, i, I wasn 't sitting near the gentleman in particular, um, but i wasn 't too far away and I saw Kyle Walker come over to the stand and but at the end of the game, this was have a rather heated confrontation with a chap sat in the stands and turns out you know just from other people around and talking about it that this this guy had been, every time Walker was down on the byline, by the right-hand side, this chap had been shouting at him, you know, that he was useless, he was a wanker, he was this, he was that. Um, and the second the final whistle blew, Carl Walker went straight over to him and started having a go at him in the stands, so... You can see that what the players are doing does have an well, what the fans are doing does have an effect on the players. Um, We've all been inside White Hart Lane when it's been rocking, and all the fans have been behind the squad. You just feel that momentum, you feel that energy surge from the terraces onto the pitch, and it's translated in performances. Um, There is an element of chicken and egg to this, so you can't say, "Oh, the fans aren't playing their part," so that excuses the players. Um, from putting out poor performances, but to discount it, I, I don't think is something that is uh, is is realistic either. Um, I mean, Danny, you you were at the game yesterday, um, and I, I think you'd you said the, the atmosphere was absolutely terrible where you were sat, wasn't it? Yeah, I was Can sitting in
3: Park Lane, Jack. Um... Uh, with rosh and sue first time i've actually watched a game with uh women i don't recommend it people out there um but <laughs> uh, basically mate it was horrendous um the minute we went one nil down it started like it always starts it's nothing unique about that game um the the, the, the hugo loris come back to get the ball at one point to someone absolutely berating him i mean and I, 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 you wonder what what did hugo do wrong yesterday what you know what, 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 what you know i can't, I can't f- begin to fathom how it was hugo's fault you've got a world class keeper there and you've got idiots in a stand hurling abuse at him you know you, you want and they wonder why these players leave in the summer. Do you know, what I mean, it's uh, it, to, as to be honest, we're such a fickle bunch of fans. It, it, I, I see it all the time. I was away at Stoke as you, um, last season as well, at the, uh, second to last game of the season, I believe it was, um, when Adam got sent off. And there's no doubt in my mind that fans can affect football matches. Janola's hinted towards it in the past. So as previous ex-players, uh, we that day we helped get Adam sent off. I don't care what anyone says you crowds can have a massive impact on games and these people that stand there and boo in the crowd and slag players off and swear at them you're not helping you're not helping your side in fact you're hindering your side and i don't i don't buy this i pay my money there's there's thousands waiting for your place in that stadium so if you don't like it get out and there's plenty of people that will wait to get in there and actually support the side rather than berate them
0: there you go um I, I guess this all ties into it. Um, I'll put this one to you, Fitchy. We've had one from Saul Holmes, who says, "Where do you think this throwaway manager culture has
2: developed?" Yeah, it's, it's all down to money, basically. Um, the teams at the top, who they think when they think they're not going to get in the Champions League, they uh, they respond by sacking the manager, and exactly the same at the bottom. They think they're going to lose a place in the Premier League, the manager goes. So. The stakes are high financially. No one wants to lose their, their slice of the pie, and you can't sack the players. You can't. The chairman's not going to sack themselves. So the only person they're going to sack is the managers, and they're, to be fair, fairly handsomely rewarded for that. So, and they know what game they're in. So, yeah, it, it's it's crap. Um, but but we're left with it, and uh, it's it's so stupid though. You know. You look at the teams who are successful. Arsenal at the top of the table. We've had their manager for you know, 15 years or so. Manchester United have been the best team in in my lifetime. And they had the same manager for 20-odd years. Stability is obviously the key, but no, no one seems to quite have the balls to follow it through.
0: Because there is that argument, isn't it, that Brendan Rodgers was a manager that was pretty much last season's AVB. He was very much hanging over the edge but Liverpool stuck by him and it seems to be paying paying dividends at the moment, at least. Um, I mean, Raj, you'd spoken a lot about the need for consistency <laughs> at Tottenham. This is surely now just going to set us back again, is it not?
1: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm fairly worried this will set us back around two years now um, in terms of what was trying to be achieved. Um, you have to bring through... A set of players and a manager together. Um, obviously, When people bring up the the examples of, of Chelsea with different managers and Manchester City with different managers um, picking up from where they've had um, a squad and then uh, and obviously a new manager coming in, the difference being there is that they've already had a set of squad and they've had uh, a system in, in way of playing pretty much nailed down with the in which they have, that they can pretty much manage themselves to a point. I mean, if you look at Chelsea, what's his name, Avram Grant in charge, I I severely doubt that Avram Grant was doing too much with them and that those players were good enough between the 11 of them that were on the pitch at any given time to to play football to a certain level. However, with the amount of players we've brought in, with the the fact that we're not a club in uh, trying to sustain any sort of... um, sustain a challenge we're actually trying to build ourselves up to a point where we are challenges because we're not that and we're not there yet I think that's half the half the problem with the the fans perspective they expect us to be um, managing for titles hammer and tong when when we're just not on the same level as those clubs um, in any sort of um, any sort of facet of, of the game we're, we're just not comparable for, um, and that's what we're trying to build towards um, for one reason or another and the best way of which to do that is to, to keep one manager there, allow him to then build a squad in his mould. There's obviously rough patches, one of which is what we're going through now, but if you back him through it and you come out stronger at the other side, um, then you've done well by it. You're, you're probably going to actually achieve more and shown the bravery to do so than having not, because what we're going to have to do now, as i said before, is, is implement a new manager with fairly new players still. And it's and it's a completely new process again. So it's um it's it's not gonna be fun to see, I don't think. I think um if Sherwood stays any longer than a few weeks, we may as well um we may as well write off this season I've said before, because um we need to be picking up as many points as possible over Christmas. And um that might not be possible if the um if the entire uh work ethic at the club is, is more geared towards finding a manager than it is uh, picking up points on the pitch.
0: Tell you what, Danny. We'll 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 wrap this up in just a minute. But uh, where do you want to see Spurs go from here, Danny? Well,
3: I'm, uh, to be honest, mate, I'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit flat. To be honest, I'm uh, I, I, I don't really know what the answer is now. I, I, I look around. I mean, I like Martinez. He ain't going to leave Everton. There's not a chance in hell that he's going to leave that club for us at the moment. Um, this guy at Southampton, I'm not overly fast. up, I don't see the big hype around him. I don't get it. Um, I, I don't. I, nothing's getting me excited there's nothing out there that could get me excited at the moment and Klinsman isn't going to lead pre-World Cup from America it's just I'm baffled to this unless Sherwood of course is going to be given this job permanently or Baldini's going to bring in Capello either which I'm not overly happy with I'll back the team as I always do um, but I'm not, I'm not happy about the situation we've left ourselves in. What
0: about you Fitz where do you want to see Spurs go? <laughs> uh,
2: I'd like Go up, I expect them to probably stay middling around where they are at the moment. Um I mean I'm exactly the same as Danny. I just don't see who the obvious candidates are. And that's probably a good reason not to say manager. Uh, I, I think we'll have an interim manager. I can see it's either going to be Sherwood or Hoddle till the end of the season and if they impress they'll uh, they might get the job. And if they don't it could it could be someone like Clinsman leaves after the World Cup.
0: There we go. Um, so I will tell you what, we'll end it on. What's been your uh, your high point under Avb? We'll end on. A, we'll try and end on a positive note. Remember, remember the man for the for the good things he's done. Um, what would you say, Fitch, Is your 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 best moment under Avb? Uh,
2: West Ham away had to be a, a pretty special game, didn't it? Yeah. I, I think that was and and. I suppose Manchester United win as well. I mean, those sort of thrilling away wins last uh, last season, where we had so much pace and Bale was on fire. It wasn't just him. I mean, like the whole midfield, like Dembélé was attacking with pace in a way that he doesn't seem to be doing this season. Um, yeah, we had we had some good games. What about yourself, Danny? Um. I- the late equaliser from Dempsey at
3: home with Man United in the snow was quite memorable. But actually, Trunk, it was probably our, what our, one of our worst hours. Um, I watched the boxing the night before the frock fight with Groves, and uh, I didn't expect it to get hit for six again in the morning. But <laughs> um, ba- basically, we turned up there, and at half-time, we were 3-0 down. And to see a large group of Tottenham supporters, if you haven't seen it, have a look for the... Uh, hey, uh, Judas chant the Campbell chant. Uh, <laughs> after we travelled half the length of the country, uh, just sort of tip of spot, I believe of what real fans are all
0: about. That, yeah, what, what about you, Raji? What was your uh, What was your yeah, high point my, under AVB? Fantastic.
1: Um, for me, it was more about how he conducted himself off the field rather than the actual on-field results, because. Um, after four years of Redknapp where we'd score a goal and the most reaction you get out of him was an extra twitch from his seat with his cross-legs position slouched there with Joe Jordan sat next to him with, you know, collective faces like slapped arses. To see him and Stefan Freund spring up like they'd, they'd just won the lottery every time we scored, to see that amount of passion was was so refreshing. It, it made me fall back in love with the club. That's why I'm so disillusioned at the moment because he, he made me feel so positively about the club again because he was he said the right things, he did the right things. Because that was such a sea change from what we'd what we'd gone through before with a manager who'd who'd openly slag us off in the press to one who would defend us against the press openly in a, in a in a press conference to in a level we've never seen before. Him as a person as and as a man couldn't have conducted himself any better throughout his time at Tottenham. I think that, that needs pointing out because there's a lot of things said about him at Chelsea where uh, people said he was a bit of a control freak, he was he's slightly narcissistic, he a bit sociopathic. There's a lot of things um, levelled at his way just because he was a, a young, successful, quite handsome, well, very handsome manager. Um, <laughs> things about him and um, through his time at Tottenham he's dispelled a lot of those he, he he won us over almost immediately with the the way in which he spoke about the club the way he conducted himself and I think that's what I'm going to miss the most having such a, a statesman-like figure at Tottenham to, to speak out against issues to to be so positive with us and, and, and do so well, I mean there's obviously the oddest incident where he, he perhaps didn't handle himself as well as he could have done, but that just showed his age more than anything else and um no i am going to miss um, having having villas Boas around as, a, as an actual a man and a leader more than the, the actual football side of it. I think that was that was something I really enjoyed and, and something i'm going I'm going to greatly miss
0: I think personally the most upsetting thing about the whole Andre Villas-Boas saga coming to an end is the fact that when he came in, it represented a new start for Tottenham, that he was a young, optimistic manager that had an idea of how he wanted the game to be played. Uh, he wanted to implement this at grassroots level and take it all the way up to the first team. We'd had so much uncertainty under Redknapp, what was the court case, what the fact he'd courted the England team, and it really disrupted our team. But in AVB, it was a new era. It was a new change. Um, and I think most of all from just letting what seemed to be a really good bloke in some respects go, um, it's just all that optimism again has washed out and we've got to place this into someone else and hope that it comes good again. But with this current ma- uh, boardroom in charge, you, you're you left wondering if that is going to happen. Um, but uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. Uh, Thanks very much to our guests for joining us. You can listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on iTunes and at SpursStatman.com and follow the Rule the Roost Twitter account at RTRSSM. So it's good night from us. Come on you Spurs and we'll leave you with a little song. When he squats on the touchline, this is what he sees. Everyone adhering to the 4 3 3. He's got a high defensive line and he ain't afraid to show us. Show us, show us, show us. He sexy, he feels Moe's. He says
1: he